Hi, friends. Welcome to Race to Rise podcast, a place where we discuss bite-sized wisdom nuggets with easy-to-follow practices to live a better life. I am your host, Mithal Patel, a parenting junkie, Ayurveda enthusiast, and an advocate of conscious living. Sending so much love, prayers, and courage and strength to all the parents out in the world right now because we all have shooken away somewhere and we all, you know, felt this heaviness last week after this Texas event. It was certainly, you know, devastating and my heart goes out to all the parents who are affected and, you know, everyone, not just the ones who lost their child, but also to the ones who are now living in the fear, because you never know, it could be my child. And in fact, we had an event in our district the same week, I had to go on a lockdown mode, and it's just not the message that you want to get from school. Trust me, I really hear you. I'm with you on this, and it is a very scary, scary situation. So today, disclaimer, I just want to share you know, I'm going to just share my perspective. I'm not here to, you know, deny anybody's thoughts or any, anyone's views or opinions. Everyone's views and opinions matters. And I just want to put mine on the table. And I actually had few conversations with some preteens as well, just to hear them out and just to see, you know, how are they coping with this and what are they feeling? And what are they going through and how are they processing? And so I'm going to start with my son. Actually, the day when I found out, it was so devastating that I actually started feeling, you know, so anxious that I got sick. No kidding. My immune system got, you know, shot and I couldn't have a conversation that day. I was just not in that space mentally. And of course, we don't have news or anything. So my kids didn't know that day at all. So I made sure that I took that evening to myself and the next day to have conversations with both of my kids before they go to school. And so I had a conversation next day with my almost 12-year-old. And I, I told him, I was like, you know, before your teachers are going to tell you something today that happened in the world yesterday. And he's like, what happened? And so I explained, you know, I shared what happened in Texas. I asked, like, you know, what are your thoughts what are you saying that you know these things happen and he said mama it's it's simple and I said what do you mean he's like confidence he's like all these things that happen you know that affect majority of the people around us negatively or you know that things that other people get hurt is because someone wants to feel confident that they are not getting to show or getting to share on a normal basis and that just that one word confidence made me think and it made me it's like that is so true we all want to feel powerful in some way right kids have kids also have this need for autonomy we all want to feel you know autonomous you know at one level or the another level we all want maybe the kids want this whole power 
of choosing their clothes. Maybe, you know, maybe we want power of making choice, you know, for what to choose to eat. So there are so many little decisions on a regular basis where kids sometimes don't get to make them. And when we don't give them their, you know, when we don't fulfill their need of autonomy, little by little, it piles up and, you know, it, it actually accumulates where they feel like they don't have any power and they lose the sense of power. Then they try to see how can they use that power in the other way where they don't have any restrictions or where their parents are not around or where their adults are not around. And this could come up with, you know, with the sibling rivalry, sibling fights, or this could show up in, you know, fights with friends at school or, you know, annoying in the buses or anything. My son has experienced these bullying, you know, or name calling in the buses. And he always says, and I ask him, like, does that now bother you? And he says, mama, I just think that they really needed to do, take something out of and nobody is there to hear them or they're, or somebody else is being mean to them. And so they think that it's okay to mean to somebody else. So there are so many of these little needs that we maybe we don't get to fulfill with our kids. And then that need comes out in an, another form, you know, externally with somebody else. And that just, you know, becomes a disaster at that point. And then it made me think that, okay, we're, we're focusing on the behavior of, you know, the event. But what is the identity? What's happening with the identity? Because when we focus on just the behavior, that's an external. That we're just, you know, that's just a tip of the iceberg. What is happening under the iceberg? What led to that event? That's what I wanted. I was more, you know, I was more curious about because, and I had to say curious because one of the things that I was also connecting dots with that whenever these events happen, it's most of the time or majority of the time, or as per my knowledge, it's the male figure. You know, it's always a young boy who is involved in these, you know, in the initiation of these events. And that made me think as a mom of boys, I have to buckle up because what is happening with boys? Like, what are their needs that are not being met, which is leading to these kind of events? I really have to share about one of the things that I feel it's also the root cause because I believe in root cause analysis and I believe the root cause of these, you know, these events, of course, yes, we shouldn't be giving the, the access to the weapon. We need all those laws. We need more safety in terms of how are we, you know, giving an arm to an 18 year old. Like we don't know what the child is going through. And again, our brains are not developed until 28. So how can we give these dangerous weapons in the hand of a child? And so, yes, the laws have to be stricter. We can all do that. But that's, again, that's only addressing the behavior. What is, what's up with the identity? What is happening? And so it made me think that, you know, when, if you connect the dots, it's the male figure, it's boys. I hate to say this. You know, I have boys in my house and I certainly have heard this over and over in my household. And at one point, initially in my early parenthood, 
I've also said these things to my son when he was really young. And, you know, it's that we do not allow or we do not give space to boys to show their emotions. Like, just because they're a boy, they have to hear things, you know, be a man, you know, you can't cry out like a girl. Are you a girl? Like, you can't do this. And things like this, it's just so disappointing that it's still happening and we're still doing this with the boys. And as a mom of boys, I was so worrying about it. And I said, okay, I have to do something. These events are not going to stop just with, this is what I believe, that it's not going to stop with the, you know, having the laws because we have laws for alcohol. We have laws for tobaccos. But yes, it is, you know, it's in control, but it's also possible that they might get their hands around. And so what can we do more than just bringing the laws or what can we do as a parent? Because I believe that we parents have the most challenging leadership role. Forget about the leaders that who we look up to or the politician or the societal, you know, the leaders in society. At home, it starts with home, I believe, and we are the leaders, the caregivers, the parents of our children. We are the leaders for our children and we can empower to be the leaders for tomorrow and leaders for, for right now, for themselves, right? They can be their leaders as well. And so I believe that it is our responsibility as parents to do something to, you know, of course, educate our children, of course, nurture our children. But at max, the most important things that we can do is we can meet our children where they are and we can meet their needs. So important. We all, we humans have this innate core need of being seen, being heard, being valued, being mattered, being loved, being cared. And it's so, so I cannot, cannot, you know, not put a lot of pressure on this, that we really need to meet the needs of our kids of seeing heard and, I mean, of feeling heard and feeling seen. So important that our children are feeling seen and feeling heard because when we say to our boy that stop crying, you're not a girl, stop crying like a girl, you know, you can't do this because you're a boy. These things, we're suppressing. We're suppressing their emotions. We are not giving them their space. They have rights to have this space. And we're not giving them this space to be themselves and, you know, to show up as, as themselves. And so I believe that, of course, along with doing our shares in terms of, you know, asking our senators to, to make the decisions and looking up to our leaders to bringing these laws and making it stricter to possess an arm. Yes, that's all important. And we all should do our best. And I've already done my share. In, but I also believe that it's important for me as a mom, you know, as a parent of boys to nurture my kids and giving them their space and making them feel heard and seen. And this is why that event shook me to the core because this is what I do. Like, I really want to help parent build a better relationship with their child, whether it's, a, you know, it's with their girls, it's with their boys. It starts with home. It starts with us. And so that's why I do what I do. And I believe, and that's why I, one of the most reasons that I do this, that I believe this, it's better to build a stronger childhood than repair a broken adulthood. 
right? And so it is our responsibility as parents to nurture our kids to, because our job is not just to feed them or buy them toys or buy them vacations. Our job, our biggest responsibility as parents is to making sure our children are feeling heard, our children are feeling seen, our children are capable of standing for themselves. Our children, if they're being picked on, they know how to solve their problems. And if they don't know, be their safe space to come to you so that you can, you know, do it together. You can support them. You can guide them. You don't have to do it for them, but you can always support them. You can be there. You know, this is one example that I remind myself that be their swimming pool teacher. You know, when you put your child to a swimming class, what happens? You know, you don't swim for them. You're outside the swimming pool and you are nurturing them, right? You are giving them hands if they need. And so same thing, you know, on our daily basis. We don't have to do it for them, but we can certainly support them. And so you don't have to jump in and solve the problem for them. But of course, let them process it. Let them, you know, work through it and just support them. Make sure they're feeling seen and heard and nurtured and they have the safe space and you are their safe space to come to you so if they are dealing something with at school they're having trouble they're not able to speak up they can come to you and you are their safe space so parents let's do our share and of course this is not easy it is so hard but that's why we have professional help and certainly please reach out to me via dms emails you can reach out to me at info at risewithmetal.com. You can reach out to me on any social medias at risewithmetal. Let's speak up. Let's support each other and, you know, let's raise ourselves so we can rise with our kids. Hearing this gratitude practice and having a journal next to me and not committing to myself, I started just saying it, you know, out loud. And then there are days when I just write it on cheat sheet and just put it somewhere. I am not collecting these, you know, for anybody to see it or I'm not doing it to show it to anyone. It's for me. So whatever works for me, right? So whatever works for you, do it. Whether it's saying out loud in the morning with your child or before you go to bed, you're writing it on uh, sticky notes, you're writing it in a notebook, anything, whether you buy a fancy, beautiful gratitude journal, anything, whatever works for you and your family. And my third practice is my absolute favorite. And I think I really have learned this one to practice more since I became a coach. Or it's just probably just my unique quality that I was able to skill it, like, you know, polish it beautifully during my coaching training. Practicing listening. Yes, practice listening. I have this one-on-one time with my children where I focus on just listening to them. Whether they want to tell me their stories about their days or they want to tell me, you know, the book they're reading or the frustration they're going through, whatever they want to tell me, for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever I can spare is just about me listening to them, not interrupting them, just listening to listen, listening to hear them out, not listening to reply or listening to build stories in my head or listening to, you know, create these building blocks in my head. So if you can't do this with your children, try with your partner, try with your, you know, friend. Once a week, try, you know, call a friend or another friend or, I mean, another parent who can offer 
a safe and non-judgmental space where you can both express your anger, you know, um, sadness, frustration, and disappointment in yourself, your children, um, even about your partners, and spend the same time with them and listen their, you know, frustrations without offering advices. So it's so important. Like I love doing this uh, with one of my parent friend where we both are our listening partners because it's just so important while you, when you're modeling these, you know, practicing being calm or, you know, how to handle these triggers, it's possible that you are also stuffing it down. And, you know, also that because initially that's what I also did. So it's so important to have a listening partner. And that's why coaches are the best, best listening partners. And so I have a coach who I meet like bi-weekly we meet and we're so one week it's my session, one week it's her session. And we actually, you know, coach each other where coaching is not about advice. So we don't advise each other. Rather, we listen to each other and, you know, guide each other by asking these powerful questions. And so I highly recommend in investing in a coach for yourself who will not, you know, give you advice because there are plenty of coaches. Trust me, there are plenty of coaches on the Internet in today's world. But you also want to make sure and, you know, focus, who are you hiring? Are you hiring who is telling you what to do? Then that's not coach. That is not coach. You want to work with someone who will not give you advice, who will not tell you what to do, rather who will help you, you know, take the answer out of you. Because we believe that we all have the answers within ourselves. We all know what to do better because only we know what happens in our homes. Only we know ourselves better. Only we know our children better. Nobody else knows your child better than you know your child or nobody else knows yourself better than anybody else knows. And so these are some of the proactive practice. These are some of the ways we can be proactive. These are some of the, my favorite practices that you can actually practice it without costing you a dime and, you know, these are some of the things that will help you eventually on how to handle the triggers better for you and for your child. That's it for this week's episode of Race to Rise. Be sure to sign up to our email list at risewithmetal.com and join us again next time for more wisdom about life, kids, and everything in between. I am Mitha Patel wishing you happy raising and rising.